This is Decoding the Mysteries of History. Each week we will hold groundbreaking discussions that you don't want to miss. You may know of our sister program, A Push for Dummies, but But now the people behind the name, it's us, Sahara and Ashley. We're the owners of this show as well as owners and operators of DecodingTheMysteriesOfHistory.com. Our goal is to help students everywhere, whether it's being prepared for class, studying for a quiz, or getting ready to pass those pesky little exams at the end of the year. We're here to help you every step of the way on your journey towards success. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Quizalicious. They make preparing for quizzes and tests much more palatable. Their continued support helps to keep educational resources like Decoding the Mysteries of History freely available to the public. Welcome back for the second installment of Decoding the Mysteries of History. Today, we'll be examining the role that the U.S. government played during the Great Depression in changing both culture and the arts in the United States. Let's jump right in then. During the Great Depression, there was a huge paradigm shift in the focus of arts. A paradigm shift is a fundamental change in approach or underlying assumptions, if anyone out there is wondering. Yes, and this is relevant for many reasons. One, the government began to show an interest in the arts during the Great Depression, which hadn't happened at any point previously. And two, it started to be used not only for entertainment, but for the first time, it was also a way for artists to influence society. So as you can see, there was quite a bit of change in a short period of time. The former First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt encouraged her husband to support the arts because she wanted them to be more accessible to everyday people. Former President Roosevelt also decided to support the arts, but it was largely due to the employment opportunities that they created. Some initial government programs focused on only specific forms of art like murals, paintings, and sculptures. There were also some very famous novels and movies created as a result of the government programs. Additionally, these programs made an effort to record the life stories of former slaves. But to really understand the changes that were going on during this time, we have to talk to an expert. We'll be right back after the break with an exciting guest speaker. We're sure your neighbors are fun and friendly, but honestly, do you really want to see them every day, smiling that ridiculous smile as they get the mail? Don't you think it's time to see something more interesting? New places, new faces, new friends? And with Joyous Journey, you can do just that. Guided tours that take you off the beaten path in many of the world's greatest cities. Visit our site at joyousjourney.com for the trip of a lifetime. And that's a promise. I would like to welcome an expert on the Great Depression onto our program today. She's from the same country as the world's greatest detective, Sherlock Holmes, and some of the most popular actors and actresses of today, like Emma Watson, Tom Hiddleston, Emily Blunt, and Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep, you guessed it. Our special guest hails from England. Well, that was quite the introduction. Hello, everyone. I'm Helen Anderson, and it's such a great pleasure to be here with you both today. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. Thank you for taking the time to join us today all the way from across the pond. (laughs) You know I can't resist the chance to talk about the Great Depression. Yes, well, the topic of the day is the impact of the U.S. government on the arts and culture in America. Can you tell us about some of the first steps taken by the government in relation to this? The initial plan created by your government began with the Public Works of Art project, which focused largely on sponsoring mural pieces. It's also interesting to note that under this program, artists were first considered for projects based on whether they were on relief and secondarily their artistic skills. 
While this was great for less skilled people, established members of the art community felt that the whole situation had gone rather pear-shaped in that they, the skilled artists, were being skipped over in favour of less skilled people. This meant that the government was actually undermining the art community. Wait, pear-shaped? It's used to describe something which has gone terribly wrong. Haha, <laughs> that's great. What happened to the Public Works of Art project? Oh, it ended when the CWA was abolished. However, there's no need to worry. A new program was soon created within the Treasury Department. How successful was it? This program commissioned over 1,000 works, mainly consisting of paintings and sculptures. Interesting. And what came next? The Treasury Relief Art Program soon followed. And how was this program different from the previous one? Well, those cheeky little artists got their way, as in this program, there was competition for the project. Thus, skilled artists tended to be selected over non-artists. Wow, how sneaky of them. When does the federal project number one come into play? Actually, that's where we're headed next. <laughs> so hard you jumped the gun. The federal project number one was significantly larger than previous government programs and supported a wider range of arts. Professionals in the field of drama, music, writing, movies and art were able to receive government funding. That's great. Yes, this is also the time that we started to see a new use for art. Some works were meant to enable escapism through entertainment while others instead focused on the Great Depression. The program also employed thousands of people to teach art skills in local centers and create recreational opportunities across the U.S. How many people did the federal project number one employ? The project had employed over 40,000 people across the U.S. and helped 12,000 people get off of government relief by the end of its first year. Well, that's certainly more than the program within the Treasury Department. Yep. The amount of community-based theater productions increased and even included African-American, French, German, Italian, and Yiddish dramas. The Visual Arts Division of the program contributed over 20,000 works of art, including in less common mediums like stained glass. That's really interesting, but unfortunately we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Is life at home, like, getting to be a little much? Well, let me tell you, like, a little secret. There is, like, no travel too great or great that it can't be, like, diminished by, like, a nice cup of tea. So, like, make tea, not war, bruh. Check out our website, terrific.com, for, like, more information. So, like, go do it, like, right now, bruh. Like, yeah, right now. Sorry about the interruption. Please continue, Helen. Millions of people were able to learn art skills in the centers which were created. Writers who attended these lessons created fiction stories, state guidebooks, and collected folklore. One of the most significant projects done by the program was the recording of the narratives of former slaves. We actually talked about this topic in our previous episode, which was focused on African Americans during the Depression. This was mentioned briefly in the section about the Harlem Renaissance. Oh, well, that's bloody brilliant. I'm glad that you guys thoroughly addressed this topic, as it's really quite important. I suppose there's no need to go into depth on that, then. Art was also used to promote theatrical and musical productions on health, safety, and education. And why is it that so many photos were taken of everyday people during this time? 
Found Services Administration hired a great deal of photographers to document conditions of workers on the road, in camps and on farms. One of the most famous of these photos is called Migrant Mother. Yes, I've heard of that one. Some of the most popular art forms of the time were movies, the radio, music and literature. During this time, many famous works of art were created, including The Grapes of Wrath, Tarzan the Ape Man, Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz, The Lone Ranger, and Superman. I love Superman. There's more. Yeah, Ashley, calm down. John Lomax, who headed the Ex-Slave Narrative Project, recorded thousands of songs which helped to preserve various musical forms. Because of his work on this, he is credited with elevating the artistic aspects of folk music. That's certainly impressive. All right, Helen, if you had to summarize the role of the U.S. government in changing the culture and arts in the U.S., what would you say? The main effects that the government had on culture and the arts in the U.S. was making art more of an everyday thing by having it be more accessible to everyone, as well as creating a shift in the purpose of art. Art could now be viewed in a variety of public places, including post offices. Also, art was no longer just a way to entertain. It was now a way for artists to get involved in politics, influence society, and address topics like poverty and lack of affordable housing, which were big issues of the time. Thank you so much for your time, Helen. It was lovely to be here with you both today. Anytime. Well, that's it for today, folks. Hope you have an awesome day filled with history. May the mysteries of history reveal themselves to you today. Goodbye from Sahara and Ashley.